Highcast. Oh, that was a good start. It's always good when the audio starts and you can talk at the same time. Highcast is recorded in the studios of Highland FM. Go to highlandfm.org.au. Uh, while you're on the internet, go to Facebook, go to your podcast aggregator of choice. Uh, follow, subscribe, like. I don't know. What else do you do on the internet these days? Whatever it is that you're doing, uh, get in touch with me. Get Highcast to your earphones first. That, I think that's the best I've done it in a long time. I guess, I guess, I guess today is not impressed. I guess today is... <laughs> don't Nick, put words in my mouth, I, Gorman. I guess... Well, he's calling me Gorman already. That means we must be friends. Uh, I guess today is Nick... Am I pronouncing this right? Reinberger? Reinberger. Reinberger. Yeah. Uh, it's only three syllables. Same as McDonald. Oh, man. Throw me off my guard already. I can't even get record. I can't even speak. <laughs> a Highlands local... And I didn't even ask you this. Uh, a radio host, a podcaster, and an entertainer. Fair enough. Nailed it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. W- welcome. Thank you. Welcome to Highcast. Thank, Thank you. Thanks, Thank for, you. thanks for coming in. Um, so a podcaster, a radio host, and an entertainer, that's a, that's a pretty big mouthful. It's a pretty, pretty big role for one person. How do you manage it all? Oh, there's, there's more than that. That's okay, just scratching well, the surface. Uh, well, you know, thanks for doing your research, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's the usual things like... You know, father and human being, and oh, yeah. and all those kinds. But then of things. people aren't interested in that. Fair enough. Actually, yeah, no, I, you know I, what? I get you. you know, yeah. and you'll probably get this as well. That's the stuff that people are interested in. They, the, the what you do is kind of yeah, but it's the it's the why, and being a father, being a human being, is actually the why part. Well, I try and put all of these things into the radio stuff that I do yeah. and the podcasting stuff that I do and the entertainment stuff that I do. All of it comes out of personal experience and there's, I mean, there are all, all sorts of radio jobs. You can, you can be on RN and be in, or news radio and that's a really valid and important kind of job in the media. But what I do is do things that are personal but not too private. Yeah, for instance, you know, and, and people come up to me and meet me and go, oh, my God, you, you were talking about getting lost in the hardware store the other day and, you know, and trying to teach your son how to, on his L's yes. and all that sort of stuff. Yes. And, and so I share all of that and that's and people get to know you, your, your, what you do in your life. And that's and I love that. I love that about ABC Local Radio in particular is that you can do that and people kind of get to know you. That um that intimacy that that knowledge that you're the same as other other people that that yeah. makes a huge difference, doesn't it? Yeah, look, I'm I'm just a as big a fa- failure and screw up as, but so as is everybody. everybody else. That, so is everybody. Yeah. I, I don't know who's who's a big superstar. Um, insert generic celebrity here. They're they're just people who eat pizza and go to the toilet. Well, look, I mean, this is a serious example, but but you look at someone like Anthony Bourdain. Yes. Oh, yeah. well, yeah. For instance, who who you would, and I am guilty of this, of, of a person that you'd say, you have the ideal life. You, you have the greatest life in the world. Yes. Uh, if you're, you're a, a chef and yeah. you know, father and beautiful wife and well-known, traveling the world, eating. Blue and, belt and jiu-jitsu. And, and yet, clearly a troubled soul. Yeah. And until he took his own life, we didn't know that. So the, the point is, we, we just... We we idolise people when we think they've got it all together, but but none of us do. Yeah, uh, well, that's uh, that's I mentioned before when you came in. It's just amateur hour here, and I can't, I, I quite often joke with my my guests and with my friends and with anyone who will listen. By, by the way, uh, I just I'm just making it up as I go along. 
Well, this is this is so important. I mean, I started in community radio. Yeah in Canberra on what was called Triple S. It was supposed to be a sports station, but slowly <laughs> slowly, all of the musicians and the different cultures took it over until it was much more of a, a general station. And I got my first taste of radio in Canberra back then. And it's, it's hugely important to have this. It's like, this is like the, the folk music compared to the, the, uh, the U2 concert. You know, they would not exist you too. Yeah. I'm, I'm, let's be specific about them. Without the folk music that came before them in Ireland, that everybody's uncle and everybody's mum played the violin and the mandolin and played in the pubs, you know, and we and we poo poo that, but, you know. But th- th- they wouldn't Do exist we? without. Well, you know, we, people think I have this theory about musicians. Well, please go share it. Share you it with know, all, with us all. We, we, especially in Australia, we 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 get very. Uh, we get very critical of people expressing themselves. Yeah. Whether it's something like you on the radio or, or someone playing music or singing in the street. Oh, don't give up your day job. You know, all so that's, tall, tall poppy oh, syndrome? Yeah. yeah. And, and, but, you know, people having a go and people playing music is hugely important. There are yeah. some cultures where that's just a part of, part of life. And yeah, I, love that. I reckon, I, I think there's, 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 two, there's two parts to that. I think as people get older, they, well, I, I think as I'm getting older, I appreciate more people just doing whatever the hell that they're doing. 10 years ago, I'd have been, yeah, you're a loser. You're never going to be you too. Whereas as I'm getting older, I'm just f- sort of like I'm saying, like we're all just making it up as we go along. All if you're doing time. something that's fun, do it. Yeah, so yeah. the point is don't apologize and say this is amateur hour. This is important, and you're expressing yourself. Well, and you're and you're doing it, you know, on the air to dozens of people. Well, to the two people listening. Well, the, 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 and the people next door in our studio at, at Highland yes. FM. This is a really important job, and it gives yeah. people experience. And good luck. And, and if, even if they go no further than this, you know, all power to. Well, well, I think what the second point I was going to make is I, I find that local is actually more like it, it's the place to be. I, I, I've mm. had a, a couple of people over the last couple of days comment to me about uh, Scott Morrison's comments around climate change. Yeah. And I said to them, look, you know, what? I don't care what he says because at, at this level, what I'm seeing is people putting solar panels on their roofs. I'm seeing people uh, doing composting, recycling. I'm seeing uh, a local climate change event being mm. organised. And, and I'm seeing all this happen in my region. What, what happens beyond that? I don't have much say and much control over. Mm. But what mm. I do here in this studio, what I do at my own house, like that's the most important yes. stuff. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, we, we, we put too much emphasis on the government coming to try and yeah. save us. or celebrities or... Yeah, society is made up of these millions of individual decisions. Yeah. And if you've got integrity about your own life and the people around well, you... Well, let's not go too far. But well, <laughs> you know, if, if you're making what you think is, 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 a, is, a, is a balanced decision, presumably, well, hopefully, millions, yeah. millions of other people are going to make those decisions. Well, yeah. And, and I, we, we don't need government to yeah, I think, worry about it. Yeah, I think so you, you started yourself uh, at... Uh, at a local radio station in Canberra and you've adapted and grown and, uh, and evolved, that's a perfect example of somebody who took a first step and has then made that something bigger and better and has a, has a broader audience because mm. of the first step that you've done. Yeah. Well, really, the first professional job I had was actually writing jokes. Go uh, on. It, tell tell it, us about that. It wasn't, it wasn't 
yeah, being a DJ, yeah, was I was I was this kind of troll in the corner writing gags and giving them to the DJ. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what was that? Um, what was the the person's name on Hey Hey It's Saturday? Just writing stuff on the on the bottom of the television. Was that that that's, that kind of style? Like, uh, well, no, well in. Well, okay, so this is 30 years ago now. Yeah, this, wow. is, this is in 1989. And I had just... I'd spent a year travelling Australia with a comedy group called the Pickled Herrings. Okay, I, I won't ad- admit that I've heard them. And bef- No, well, you don't. You, you wouldn't. The Pickled Herrings, yeah. Yeah. Um, some years before that, we began as a... As a uh, barbershop quartet and then we ended up hang on how do you go from a barbershop story for another day we met at theatre sports and then we formed a barbershop quartet and then we went busking and then we added guitars and accordions and things oh wow and then we we ended up going professional and I'm doing air quotes yes ladies and gentlemen air quotes yes um but that ended up being really good. In fact, we went on Hey Hey It's Saturday. We won Red what? Faces. No. There's that's not a, on your website, by the way. There's a highly embarrassing YouTube clip of oh, when gosh. we won Red Faces. Um, yeah, hilarious. And then I got back to Canberra and I was a waiter and I was singing in a blues band. And this never happens. Uh, an FM station opened in Canberra. It was called FM 104.7. Catchy name. Yeah, wow. Um, and they advertised in what is the Canberra Times wanted comedy writer. And I couldn't believe it. And, and I rang up the program director and, and said, uh, I'd like to apply. And he, he said, yeah, okay, no problem. I said, well, come in for an interview. And I said, oh, yeah, would, can you tell me about the job? And he said, yeah, well, it's writing uh, comedy for the breakfast show five days a week. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you'd be expected to be here at 4.30 a.m. And I, I made an appointment to have an interview and I, put the phone down I thought oh my I've never seen 4.30 a.m. <laughs> except not having slept yeah <laughs> yeah well those ones side. yeah yeah and I thought there's only one way I'm gonna know if I'm gonna be able to do this and that's to do it and I set my alarm for 3.30 and got up and had a shower it's middle of winter in Canberra and went to the servo and waited for the first newspapers to to land, that's the reason you start at four thirty. Apart from the breakfast show, is is you're looking at the newspaper. Yeah, okay. We didn't have websites back then, <laughs> believe it or not. Eighty nine, Dave. We didn't have I, them. I, I was I was around in eighty nine. I still remember Sega Master yeah. System or whatever it was. <laughs> so I went home and I put on a giant pot of coffee and spread out the newspapers and wrote some ideas down. And then on my my advanced computer, which was an Amstrad, uh, I typed up all of these. Gags. I wrote several gags. I wrote a sketch. I wrote a song. Because I'm always got a music's mostly a comedy vehicle for me. And and I went into to this interview at eleven o'clock the next morning, just stuffed because I'd been up for eight hours already. And the guy said, oh, "Sit down, shake hands. Have you got your CV?" And I said, "Yeah, but you probably prefer to see these." And yeah. I, so I p- gave him a, a a folder of gags. Yeah. Wow. And he went, "Oh." No one else has done this. These are really good. I said, great, can I have the job? <laughs> <laughs> and I did. So that's, that was my, my first four or five years in radio were writing jokes. Yeah, wow. And I think that's, that's a good little, that's a good takeaway that, you know, you thought beyond just going to an interview, you thought, well, what is it actually going to involve mm. and can I really do this? Yeah, it was, it was, 
I was surprised myself because I'd been to horrible interviews. I mean, I, when, when, I, when I dropped out of uni, I worked in a hardware store for a year and I just wanted to put my head across the circular saw every day. I just hated it. Do you consider yourself a bit of a misfit in that respect? Uh, within my own family, I wasn't because mum and dad were very theatrical and they, I grew up watching them on stage. They were in amateur theatre and that's what they did. I mean, other you know, parents played bridge or you know, did other social things, but they were always on the stage doing Annie Get Your Gun or Oklahoma or sure. you name it. But compared to you know, your peers and society as a whole, you're, you sound like a gentleman who's sort of just doing kind of what you want and it doesn't really matter what, what, what others think. Well, in a way, I, I wouldn't say that. I mean, I mean, I mean I, I'm still getting intensely stressed about what other people think. And yet I've followed this kind of creative path where I've quite often just followed the creative muse and done what I thought was funny or what I thought was satirically justifiable uh, and have uh, quite often offended people a lot as a result. So is that, is that the curse of a, of a satirist or, or a comedian? Is I, that always. You're going to a, you, it's inevitable you're going to offend people and you try not to think of, of the consequences of that? Well, you do. You just try and think through it. I mean, I wrote comedy for television for a while, and my uh, the uh, one I ended you had up a working. Commercial station. No, well, my first. Well, I was in radio comedy for a long while. I was writing for for Fox in Melbourne, and I was writing for Andrew Denton and Neil McFeast and um, uh, Stubbsy in Melbourne and that sort of thing. And then I ended up in television for a while. I was working for Good News Week and uh, Backburner with Peter Burner in Melbourne. And Backburner was really formative because I was, I was working underneath Rod Quantock, who was one of my great heroes. Why do I know that name? Australia what? standing in it. Uh, he was just like a legend in Australian yeah, okay. comedy. It's a very small sort of world and everybody knows each other. Sure. But Rod is just a legend and he used to sit there with all these young writers and we'd do this sketch and, it, and, he'd, and he'd say, what's the target? What's the target? The audience or the... No, no. The, what, what is the target of your satire? Oh, okay. What are you trying to prick at? Yeah, okay. Are you, who is it? Is it the government? Is it, uh, is it uh, a corporation? Uh, is it a particular person? Is it an industry? What's the target? And if you couldn't hmm. say that really quickly, you'd chuck the sketch out. Because we weren't doing... It, it's great to do things that are funny just for the sake of being funny. And I, and I do lots of silly things that are like yeah. that. But when you're doing satire like huh. Backburner, you've got to say, who is the target? Because that way, and what he was doing was training us when the, the idiot ABC executives would come down and go, oh, the, we've received a complaint from well, Mrs. Well, Jones yeah, of Elstonwick. And you go... Well, clearly she doesn't understand the sketch because the target of the sketch is, ah, is this. Ah, very good. And, 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 and you can justify things like yeah. that. Yeah. If you think about them, if, you know, it's a, it's a highly intellectual pursuit in some ways, you know, political well, satire. It is. It is. Like uh, every comedian that I've encountered and even through um, you know, television shows or whatever, comedians are some of the smartest people on earth. And I think you need, you need to have that... Particularly higher level of intellect to be able to break things down into components, to see the funny parts, yeah. to see yeah. the the ironic parts, to see the evil parts, mm. and and point fun of it and make make the point about it. Yeah, it's it's, it's right. Yeah, and, and those little flashes of insight, are, yeah, are just 
they're beautiful when they come to you when you want to, when you want to play with it. Do you think um, I, I've had this thought that the decline in politics can also be decline? You can you can tie that to de- the decline of political satire in Australia. Ooh, that's so, interesting. So, so in the nineties or the eighties, you had lots of sketch comedy o- on the on the television. There was lots of uh, obvious pokes at those that were in charge. Mm. And over the past ten years, those those mainstream. Have, have disappeared. There's no, I don't know, what's the... Certainly in Australia, you're right. We don't have the Gillies Report. We don't have Australia standing in it. We don't have Backburner. Yeah. We don't have Good News Week anymore. There, there is no real topical comedy on Australian television at all. And without that poking fun, that reflection back at, uh, at the powers that be they can kind of go off and be the clowns that we used to be able to mirror. I don't know. I mean, but you look at the, the number I'm, one... I'm, I'm making this up as a... No, no, no. Okay. I'm, I mean, I'm, li- I'm liking where yeah. you're going. Yeah. On the other hand, you've got someone like, like a Trump and a Boris Johnson who almost seem beyond parody yes. and beyond satire. I because, mean, the Americans have a huge oh, yeah. industry. The Tonight Show hosts are just... Yeah, and the Colbert Reporting, for, for example, which... Did yeah, played he, that role for a long time. He's, he's wonderful. John Stewart for, for yeah, I mean, a long time. Yeah, I mean Stewart was there, you know, for the whole of the uh, for for Bush and Obama, uh, and and Colbert is is still doing that, you know, to a to a certain extent. I mean, John Oliver's doing an amazing job. Yeah, uh, and yet the politics is just so but it's depressing. Gone, it's and gone awful. post. Like it's got what is it? Meta. <laughs> what are the the young kids use these days on the internet? It's gone. You know, uh, meta. Uh, hyperbolic because it's now you you can't even hold you can't even it's post irony it's post irony yeah and yeah and and and, and Trump is using it as a weapon uh, it's, it's he, crazy. he's using satire as a weapon back at the satire it's 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 amazing yeah the moment when he when he does something really crazy and stupid one of his uh, one of his uh, media spokespersons said a few months ago, said, oh, he was just trolling you in the media to get a reaction, and he succeeded. <laughs> so, wow, that is clever. Well, is that it? Is are clever. they just making it up he's as they go tro- along? Yeah. He's like my brother Luke, where my mother says, oh, he just wants you to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> well, really? Is that, is that the way the leader of the free world so should, what, be, should be So what's, what's funny in a post-irony world then? Oh, there's still so much that's that's hilariously funny. Well, I mean, the way I've been, uh, what I've been doing mostly is is uh, is trying to write the uh, the official uh, love songs of the middle-aged man. Uh, you're going to have to enlighten me on that one. Well, well, that's just that seems to be what I've been doing lately. Is, so, is writing a lot of songs. For instance, I do this, you know, I do this song called you know, "Yummy Mummies in the Park." I do, <laughs> I, I do another one. Called my sweet menopausal mama, which oh, no. uh, is one of my favourites. Because um, I was I was walking past a colleague of mine who's always fanning herself. She's about my age. She's in her fifties. Oh no! And I wrote I wrote a love song about being with a menopausal woman, about how hot she always is, uh, and and I played it to a bunch of old ladies in a choir, and I said, "If you don't like this, I'm stuffed, and it's never going to see the light of day." And they all laughed. So I've been going much more. Uh, personal, I suppose. Yeah, and, okay. and I, I've been singing a lot of songs about about men. I think men are confused lately. We're, we're in a yeah. Please tell me more about that. Yeah. Well, I did this podcast for a while called yeah. called the Mail Room. Yes. Specifically, 
about modern masculinity because I, I think a lot of men are, are, are really confused about their role in the world. You know, women are taking their power and, and good luck to them, you know, as they should. Um, and men are sort of left going, oh, well, there's no mammoths to kill. And, you know, yeah. I, I can't just tell my pretty secretary to sit on my knee anymore. I've got to, yep. I've got to act with a bit of integrity and a bit of honesty. And, and, uh, and I'm not quite sure where I fit into the world anymore. And so right. we're kind of wandering around wondering, you know, what that role is and what it means to be a, a good man. And uh, one way of doing that is to examine it kind of seriously, which I did with uh, the mailroom with my uh, friend William Verity. And another way is to take the piss. And so I've been doing a lot of that lately is to, is to, is to write, write songs kind of illustrating that and poems for that matter. Yeah. I do a love song about hardware. <laughs> and I love poem about hardware. Okay, please cool. tell me it's got lots of hammers and nails. and. Well it, 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 well, it came out of actually building a cubby house for a friend of mine and I was using primarily a piece of hardware which my father had introduced me to, which was the 75mm 516th hex-headed galvanised grommeted screw. I feel like that's part of the song. Well, and, I, and Andy, who's in other ways very useful guy, ear, nose and throat surgeon, you know, has skills that I'll never have, was going, wow, you're so good at this building. I said, Andy, are you kidding me? This is agricultural. The stuff you do is far more important. Yeah. And, and, uh, and he says, what's that using? And I said, it's a 75mm 516th hex-headed galvanised grommeted screw. And I went... Geez, that's got rhythm. Yeah, 75 okay. millimeter, 516 text headed, galvanized grommeted screw. I said, that deserves to be a poem. And so I sat down with a glass of wine that night and wrote this poem. And uh, yeah. That's something that men don't do is write and express themselves. Uh, and not so once they've written and expressed themselves, then put them out to be vulnerable. It's, it's a, a, not a masculine thing. And it's something that, that we don't do very well. Well, maybe not anymore. Mm. Yeah, well... That that's always been my way of mm. of uh, of expressing myself. Yeah, you know, sometimes it's through music, and sometimes it's poetry. You know, I've had this very poetic family, and so we had no problem with that. What um what drew you to? So we've talked about uh, the the world is changing, and we've we talked about uh, comedy and and then post satire, and that you're trying to capture pieces in music and and those sort of things. What what drew you to that piece about men? What is it? Is it a personal thing? Is it are you watching other men struggle? What's the? Oh, absolutely, I did. Yeah. I mean, it came out of me uh, being separated and and uh, having to set up my own house in Mittagong, sort of close to the kids and sharing them and watching several of my friends, especially William. I'm, I'm sure he won't mind me saying, you know, struggle with that as well, with sort of masculinity. Um, and 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 watching the way the world was working, and and seeing and seeing the way men were kind of confused about where they were, and and seeing gender roles being questioned, uh, and and I thought it would be useful to do a podcast that wasn't blokey blokey, yeah, you know, but but yeah, man more, cave things. But loving the man cave thing, but yeah. also being open to lots of other different kinds of male experience. Uh, for instance, uh, even though I'm not, I'm not anything but straight. I thought it'd be fun to kind of feel what it was like to be a transsexual trying to get clothes if you're a buffhead like me. So I took my 19-year-old daughter to the House of Priscilla's on Oxford Street to see if they had high heels to fit my size 14 feet. 
and I took her along to teach me how to walk. <laughs> and I went into Priscilla's and they were, they were literally putting sequins on a pair of jeans for like a guy my size. Yeah, wow. And they ended up with the biggest shoes in the shop. They were <laughs> six-inch heels for the first time ever. I put on six-inch heels just to feel what it was like. I'll be your broken ankle. And walk and, and recorded that. That experience, I had my, I had my, you know, my uh, recorder and my microphone, and I'm going, oh my god, I feel like I'm in a four wheel drive. I'm like I'm above the traffic. <laughs> I feel like I'm an Australian basketball player. Yeah, this is how your basketball players but, feel. But I can't walk. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to fall on my face. And so I literally got my daughter holding my hand, teaching me how to walk and telling me to stop being such an elephant. <laughs> it was great. So we and William went into a went into a priestly vestment shop. For instance, to to get outfitted like a like a Catholic priest, just to see what that's like, mm. uh, and found that there were about eight layers. If you're in an unair conditioned church, oh my god! That I mean, you, you've got terrible. your pants and your shirt, and then you've got this kind of smock, and then you've got this next smock, and then you've got the thing around your neck, and then you've got all these little scarves and things, and it, and they've all got names that you've never heard of. Wow. Um, I didn't expect that, this to come out in the podcast, by the way. It's it did. And, 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 he, and he recorded this experience yeah, and wow. stood there in front of the mirror in exactly the same way as I stood there in front of the mirror in the heels and went, okay, this is an experience. What's this like? Yeah, I often think where it's uh, an unprecedented time of change. And I think for maybe uh, our grandparents' generation, there was almost a manual on on how yes. to, how to live your life it was and, uh, totally or, a manual or even yeah. if it was just a guide the guide was pretty specific now the guide is i don't know some bullet points that some of them have been scribbled out <laughs> the, cra- the paper's been crumpled it's got coffee stains and then you look at it and you're like oh god i don't know what. and then someone else has got a different different guide from you it's com- it's completely and utterly we've we've changed everything and and most of us are just struggling to keep up look i i had that exact feeling when i had a son so i had i had a daughter 26 years ago and the pressure's off you when you're father of daughters it's like great you know you, you and your mum can be the girls of the house i'll yeah, be, the, okay, I'll sure. be the dad yep. pressure's off me had a son and you go oh god i yeah, t- yeah. gotta teach him how to be a man i'm not even a man yet yeah yeah, yeah I, that someone looks up to you as a role model and, you, and you're their hero. And I'm like, man, I don't even like myself. Yeah. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> let, yeah. let, let alone tr- try and be the person that somebody else wants you to be. It's, it's crazy. I have a theory which I'm hoping will be not true soon. Go on. And that is that you're not a man until your dad's dead. Ah, oh, really? That's, that sounds terrible. I know it sounds terrible, What? but... What that comes out of is that women have these natural rites of passage. Oh, okay. They, yes. they have yep, yep. They have menstruation and they have giving birth. Yes, and then and, and then in, menopause. And, 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 yeah, yeah, and and but especially menstruation and giving birth. It's like the the the, the first ritual, and then giving birth, and it's like, oh, you're in the club now. Yeah, okay. But but unless you're in an ancient society. And there's a reason why most ancient societies set up uh, an initiation for boys. Yeah. Because they don't have one physically. It's just gradual. You just gradually grow hair and the, yeah, the testosterone okay. attacks you. And so most of the time uh, they, have, they follow this format where they send them out into the, into the jungle 
to have a night on their own and to scare the hell out of them. Sometimes scar them or knock a tooth out or you've got to hunt for something. And they come back and they're welcomed into the tribe as men. And this happens over and over and over again in ancient societies, Aboriginal, you know, Indian, uh, you, you name it. Uh, and we don't have that in the Western hmm. world. And we just sort of wander blithely into adulthood and, oh, oh, God. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah, responsibility I'm a, hit me I'm pretty hard. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I've got a kid. Oh, uh, my God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that was part of, that was that was part of. Uh, I mean, I think you're you're about the manual. There used to be a manual. Yeah, and and I suppose war was an initiation. You know, yeah, the two world wars, and then and the Vietnam War, Korean War, and and we haven't sort of had that now. Mm. And so we're we're kind of initiating ourselves. And we're wondering what it is. And so I had this theory years ago that all of a sudden your dad's dead, and and that becomes your mental. Uh, hurdle which says okay now I've gone through this awful thing yeah now I'm a man because I don't have anybody on earth who can make me feel like a child anymore <laughs> <laughs> what about your mum I reckon your mum your mum will just take one look at you and like you're an idiot Dave <laughs> oh yeah yeah when they use your full name <laughs> Nicholas Reinberg <laughs> oh, okay I'm six again <laughs> yeah that's I, I, I reckon that's a pretty pretty good theory but the, your point of your point about there not being uh, any rituals, no rites of passage—that's a—that's a really interesting one. There are people doing it; they're doing rites of passage. In fact, one of the sure. world leaders is in Australia, a guy called Anna Rubinstein. Yeah, uh, and he runs this thing called uh, the, the Rites of Men or something like that. Um, the Making of Men. That, that's it. Hmm. Uh, I've interviewed him and I've been on one of his camps and he's a really interesting guy and he's wow. drawing on a lot of that wisdom. Is it... Uh, sorry, uh, uh, excuse my ignorance here, but is it a bit stereotypical? Because what it means to be a man and obviously a woman as well, but it's changed so much. I, I feel like y- you would have had... Rites of passage would have been very specific. Oh, they are. You're, and you're what, right. And yeah. what was expected to be a, a gentleman would have been very specific. Whereas now, like... The whole thing about you, what does masculinity mean? Well, it kind of means whatever you want. And we're, we're both going, well, that's a bit shit. But, yeah. but at the same time, you kind of need some leeway, some flexibility, which creates its own problem in, in, the same, in, in its own respect. So when you uh, have been involved in this, is it, is it niche? Is it, is it very specific? Is it, 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 I mean, the process is a three or four day um, camp yeah wow where the fathers and boys and and the boys are put through some interesting stuff uh and they draw on all sorts of killing a chicken uh no they're killing chickens but there is a teepee involved and strangely i discovered that the teepee has a very specific purpose go on in india and i never knew this until i went there i never knew this until you were about to tell me the conical shape of the teepee with the fire in the middle, which funnels the smoke upwards. That's what okay. I thought it was for. Yeah, that's one, that's one yeah. thing that it does. It, the round nature of it means that everybody can look at everybody else and yep. we can all talk and nobody is at the head of the table. Hmm. Uh, but the, the certain Indian societies had this point where, where the boys would, would run around the, the fire and it would form a vortex which would cause the flames to build up and up and up and up. It's an unbelievable little moment Yeah, wow. when that happens. And they're literally running around in this circle 
um, and there's drums going and people saying, come on, faster, come on. You know. yeah. and, and it's spectacular. It's this moment in the weekend, which is, I hope I haven't given anybody secrets any, Anna, but, but, but that's, that's something you can, you can find. Hmm. And that's just a moment. There are lots of other moments in this. Yeah, scene. wow. And uh, that, that sort of mystical element, that element of magic is, is missing as well. We, we send children to school. It's, you know, turn to page 66, uh, recite the, the paragraph or do the equation that's there, mm. close your books, go home, please avoid social media because it'll ruin your brain. And that's, that's kind of it. That, that, that element of not just the rite of passage, but there is something bigger and and more magical to life. We've mm. sort of just thrown that that out the window too. Yeah, there, there's really magical things about about blokes that are not just getting together to get pissed, yes, or to or to be or, or to or to talk shit about people. There's something really fantastic. I mean, I'm in a couple of groups in the Highlands that. That do that. I mean, I know yeah. you do the man walk. Yeah, Unfortunately, man- because of my work, well, I've only been able to go on it once, but really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm in a blokes book group. Yeah, I know a few other members of the blokes book uh, you group. You know, and that's great. We just had a weekend way down in Jervis I was, Bay. I saw was, your pictures. I was I was amazed you were still standing after the end of it. It was wonderful. You know, it was great. You know, and we we, we specifically brought along Tim Winton's book Breath as the book to talk about. Yeah, because that is squarely about. Uh, men and boys and danger especially and about the male proclivity to risk your life doing things yeah damn it you know to 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 actually feel alive because you've you've gone to the edge Mm. and for some people you know that is that was hunting mammoths and some people it's climbing mountains it's bungee jumping for these kids it's surfing and they used to test themselves by holding themselves under the water and scaring the hell out of people by holding their breath for a long time and the whole book is about risk and and those sublime little moments of pleasure i'm not a surfer but you can read can, winter can, and you get it you get it yeah you get these sublime there's this moment where the narrator says you know, I've, I've built a, a pretty decent life. I've, you know, I've got wife and kids, but everything I do is judged against those few seconds of ecstasy on a way. It's so stupid, everything, isn't it? You know, so it seemed to me, and I, I brought this up with the fellas and we discussed it, you know, before too many wines had kicked in, <laughs> uh, that, that men have this kind of, peak life you, you kind of have these peaks and then you, you plummet and then a peak yeah and whereas women uh, manage themselves better I think I think they have a they, they have a more consistent emotional life because they gather people around them and and I think they're better at it and we could you know learn from that that they have they have support structures which mean that they're more consistent and this probably explains a lot of the male suicide statistics is we get these peaks and then we get these plummets and we get to the bottom, you know, and you're, and you're trying to get to the peak again. Yeah. And sometimes that's adrenaline, that's danger, gives you that, wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting point of view. I, I think it makes a lot of sense because I, I've going doing things when you were younger, for example – Stupid things like riding bikes or going on swings or whatever that the 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 adrenaline rush, the feeling of flying through mm. the air, I used to love that. And over your uh, as you get older, you lose, 
you know, you're just traveling on a train or, or whatever it is. You lose those moments of inspiration. Mm. And over time, that's, it's, you, that can wear you down. It does. I mean, I think it, and I think it can, can really eat into your soul a bit. Yeah, you know, I think like we we I think we need that. Yeah, but, I, but maybe there's a happier medium where we can be inspired by the women in our lives and and just well <laughs> be a little bit more consistent rather than plummet from the highs. But I think <laughs> I think yeah yeah you're 100 percent correct. But there there are controlled ways of doing that. So for example, I do jujitsu, and like when you're getting the shit kicked out of you, like you you're pretty close to death. <laughs> <laughs> so do you do you do it here uh, in, yeah, in Bell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh god, because I tried to. I had a real struggle with my son, who's yeah. really come out the end of. It's interesting you talk about you know the school the school experience. He just did school, and him just did not. I hated school by the end of that. He it was just, so shit. Uh, and so we had to get special permission to take him out, and he's now an apprentice chef and yeah, wow, and working and got more disposable income than any of us. It's great. <laughs> um, but he um. There, there was a point there where I was just sort of desperate to get him into something. I said, I'll do it with you. Yeah. How about we go and do MMA or yeah. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Because he, like, he used to like watching him. He used to like watching John Cena do his thing. I was all, and I kind of latched onto that. Yeah. But it was all too much hard work. So, so did you take it up sort of late? Uh, yeah. So I started time? Taekwondo uh, four years ago. Uh, so I've been doing that for four years, yeah. and then my son, uh, who's eight, does jujitsu up at up at Barrel. So he got you into it as well. Yeah, yeah. And I had I had Tony on on the podcast as well. His story is is really interesting. He's, yeah. he's got a, a wild past, and I'll uh, let let listeners uh, okay. find out that for themselves. So that's that's on the that's on the podcast. podcast. Cool. Yeah. Okay, that'll be a drive to a, work. He's got that's a he got a wild past. And for like, I'd go, I'd take Tom in, and he'd be like, "When are you coming on the mat, Dave?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'll get there eventually." And then in the, I put it on my list of things to do this year. I, I joined, and I've regretted it every single time. <laughs> 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 it's, it, it, it is just it, but from the the to thre, uh, thread back into the conversation from a man perspective, it is one of the best things that I've done because it is humbling. Yeah, it is. Like you know that you that someone could kill you any day any day of the week, and you th- then go okay. Well, then I need to get better, and I need to. That's, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I really wanted to do it with my boy as just well. Just do it by yeah. just do it by yourself anyway. Okay. It's, it's okay. Uh, well, I did have kind of the same experience a few years ago with water polo. Hamish Tame told told me that he does it, and yeah. he was like, "I was like, why are you sore, mate? I did I did I did water polo. Oh what God. are you doing? Well." It's because my daughter, who's now 26, but this was when she was 15, 16, was a player and she was really good. In fact, she was New South Wales representative goalkeeper. Yeah, wow. Probably could have represented Australia. So I was just a poolside parent. Yeah. I knew nothing. I was just a driver. Yeah. And so I'm, and, and she was living with me for a while in Barrel and she used to play in the Barrel Comp. And, and so I get, got to meet a whole lot of these players and, uh, you know, what are you doing, Nick? You know, you're a good swimmer. No, 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 I don't know anything about this game. They wore me down after about a year and I joined up and I'd never played before. I thought I was a good swimmer. I used to be. We're talking 30 years ago. And the first game of water polo, we, we had no subs. And after the first quarter, I was 
really struggling. <laughs> After the second quarter, I was literally holding on to the side <laughs> of the Minigong pool, thinking to myself, if I let go, yeah. I'm going to die. I'm not going to be able to tread water. Yeah. I was so exhausted. because, And there were all these wily old guys, some of whom were former Olympians. Oh, and you know when, you don't, when you're a newbie, the, the experienced people just play with you and they run you around like a puppy. That's exactly what uh, BJJ is like. And that's what they were doing to yeah. me. They were just toying with me. Oh, it's over there. Oh, it's over there. It's over there. There it is. Yeah. And, and I was so... St- and, I, and I played one game and I said, that's it. You can take my subscription. And I'm, <laughs> I'm not coming back. But I did a whole season and... Jeez, it's a hard game. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, I think that to, again, to bring it back to the thread, that, that element of challenge, that element of doing things... That are, that are difficult mm. um, uh, as you grow up like you kind of whether it's your career like you don't pursue a career that you're not good at right you don't you don't like you uh, uh, let's let's you perhaps use you as an example like you weren't good at engineering and then pursued comedy maybe, uh, you, maybe you were well strangely <laughs> I dropped out of the University of Tasmania what were you doing, engineering? Pure maths. Well, there you go. Calculus and linear algebra. Yeah, okay. And I still love maths, but it was ne- it was never going to be a career. Strangely, I was pressured. Not pressured, but that was probably coming from me rather than my dad because I remember him sitting me down. He was a sensible sort of real estate agent and stock and station agent apart from his theatrical pursuits. Uh, and he said, what are you thinking of doing next year? And I said, oh, I'm going to going to uh, you know uni in sydney i'm going to study professional writing you know you know you're good at your writing <laughs> stuff and, but you know you're also good at your maths so oh why don't you dear. think about doing maths so you threw uni. my theory right out the window here and he's, and he's and i said what he said no you're really good at your maths yeah. you're doing three unit maths when you continue that at uni you could be an actuary oh god you know what an actuary does basically figures out the chances of you dying in the car on the way home. Yeah, it's insurance, right? And how much of a premium they can get out of you before that happens. Yeah. And I did. I went to uni and I did (laughs) calculus and linear algebra and it took me about a month to go, this is stupid. Yeah. I I was so much more interested in the the theatrical I feel like you're probably an exception. That would, most people would go, you know what, I was good at uh, I was good <laughs> at maths at school. I'll, I'll study some sort of engineering degree or, or some sort of commerce degree, and mm. then I'll go off into the wider world. And I'll sit at a desk most days, and it'll be you know, I do weekend warrior. I might play f- soccer with my, with my mates. We'll go off to the pub, and that's kind of how it goes. And then 15 years have gone by and you wake up and you've got a bit of a beer gut and your kids don't really like you much anymore. <laughs> and, and then you think, oh shit, what happened? <laughs> and for most of us, as for most of us, that's, that's, just how, that's just how it is. And I, I've, I've got this ongoing conversation with myself and with other people. Th- that's the model that we were shown. Like my, my parents and my aunties and uncles, they mm. went to work nine to five, Monday to Friday. Obviously, women did different things, but... Yeah. That's that's the model. You had one, maybe two jobs through your career, and that was kind of it. But the now there is so many different ways that you can do things, and you don't. That's the gig economy, isn't it? You know, is it is it or is it just being better at doing multiple things? Because I I don't necessarily like I I, I hold down a, f- a full time job, but I also have other things that I do on the side and multiple. I don't know extracurricular that, pursuits that, that's that's the side hustle 
Yeah. Well, I suppose that's no different to my mum and dad. You know, yeah. I mean, they when mum was a teacher and dad was a yeah. Maybe I'm naive in that respect. Station agent, yeah. but but they loved. I mean, they were heavily involved in church, uh, but the theatre was their big love. You know, was was uh, was being on stage and, mm. and, and doing shows. Maybe it's that they that they didn't go. There's an opportunity to do something with the theatre. Like, I think I feel like now, if you're really into something, there's a as a real opportunity to go and pursue that. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, Dad was in a a comedy group for a while, actually, with a partner called Patty, and they went on New Faces back in. The late fifties. What's new? F- okay, there you go. That's you know, it, it, it's like talent show. It was, it was Australia's Got Talent. Yeah. In the late fifties. Yeah. Wow. Where it's called New Faces. Uh, that's where Red Faces came from. <laughs> yeah, Red Faces came from. See, that's, was taking the piss had, out of had, New Faces. I had no idea what that is. And Dad was on it, and and he regrets to this day that they came second to a singing dog. <laughs> Hang on, that's surely that's a line. That's a line, right? That's, that's not the truth. That's, that's true. It was oh, a guy with a singing dog. That's <laughs> classic. And look, if, if we'd have won, you know, we would be yes. Yeah, superstars. My, my now. world would be different right now. <laughs> Far out. So much, so much comes down to fate. That's true. Yeah. 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 But we're pretty lucky, though, to be. So I. I always think we're pretty lucky to be doing what and you, you've a really good example being able to pursue a creative career from from a place like the highlands though yeah well it was i mean i was always i had such a love of radio uh it, it's still my the, the thing i love the best of all in fact it, it, it still gives me it still annoys me that i have to take pictures of things I still yeah, think wow. of myself as an audio person, but because we've got we've got Twitter and Facebook to service now, I've got social media just really gets me down. That's that's just that's just life, and I just had to accept it. You yeah, know? I mean, in fact, when I finish here, the first things I do is, and I'm going to put up a Facebook page of all the stuff I did at Bong Bong today. Sure, and I've got all these recordings, which I'll take back and turn into a story on on Monday, which I was doing. And I love the opportunity to to walk around with my microphone, introduce myself. And because you're from the ABC, people trust you. It's great. Yeah. Oh, we didn't talk. I had on my list of things to talk about is why, why are we ruining the ABC? But we'll do that for another day. <laughs> no worries. That's fine. Yeah. Um, I didn't even know if you can talk about that sort of yeah. stuff. Of course I can. No, of course. Yeah, no problem. Sure. Yeah, no one's going to restrict me from that. That's yep. fine. Um, but, yeah, the Highlands, is, it, it, it's just ended up that way. I, we, I was living in Sydney with my... Uh, then fiance um, Lucy and we were attempting to buy a house in Sydney and being laughed off the property you know, <laughs> after one bid uh, but she'd grown up here yeah. on um, out near Wombian Caves and a beautiful and, part of the and world and said uh, you know would you consider moving out to you know somewhere near Mittagong and uh, and there was and the and the ABC station in Wollongong was what was about the same drive as my commute in Sydney. I used to go from Stanmore to North Ride to the Australian what? Radio Network. Was that at North Ride? Australian Radio but, Network. Well, uh, before, North Ride. Yeah, okay. Before yeah, that, that was two WS. Yeah. Well, I worked for. Ah, the ori- of course, of course. Yes, yes. Yeah, yes I yes. worked for the, the original two WS when it was in Blacktown. Yeah. When it was actually Western Sydney. When it was Western <laughs> Sydney. Yeah. When WS stood for Western <laughs> Sydney. But the Australian Radio Network moved all three stations, including the Penrith station called the Edge, and two WS. Uh, and what was to become KISS um, into this building in North Ride. And I used to drive, and 45 minutes was like a good day's drive from 
from Stanmore across. Yeah, across. I, I, I used to live in North Ryde. Yeah, once upon a time. And uh, and so I ended up moving here, and I was a freelancer then, and I ended up you know, getting a job out of Wollongong, and that's sort of 45, 50 minutes drive, and it annoys me sometimes, but a lot of the time I put on a podcast and yeah, you know, take go off at ten past five in the morning and yeah, that's the, been away for fourteen years. Go to the ocean afterwards. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Summer days, being able to jump in the continental pool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. I I, I it's love Wollongong for that matter. Although I like swimming in rivers better than I do in ocean. What? Hang on. Uh, I'm telling you. No. I well, I grew up on the Murrumbidgee. Yeah. Okay. So it's nostalgia. I, well, it's not. I just prefer rivers. I, I, I would, I would honestly prefer to go and swim in that bend of the river near Berrima, really, or, or Morila, or especially Nellie's Glen, than go to the beach. Really? Yes. I, I, I feel like this is not the place to end the podcast because that's the craziest <laughs> thing I've heard today. <laughs> I like to be provocative. We have something to think about for the next time. <laughs> oh, jeez. Beaches what? is just unrelenting sand. It gets in your cracks and. <laughs> You know, you're going to get break. I mean, I mean, I like them as a novelty. Yeah. Occasionally, but, but you give me Nellie's Glen or Carrington Falls or or the Windsor Caribbean River near Berrima. Yeah. I'm a happy man. See, I, f- I feel like there's uh, like there is something. So we talked about um, young boys or boys dancing around fire. Like there's something about fire. There's something about the ocean. We've uh, and uh, you know, this is going to be Dave's rant of the day. Like we all evolve from the ocean. Yeah, for whatever, whatever, whatever yeah. I get, I get close to it. I feel like I feel. Dave does air quotes. I feel like I'm home in some respects, and the salt water, the smell, the sounds, the relentless. Like it just feels like it could kill you at any second. I, 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 for whatever reason, I'm drawn to that. No, look, that's you know, I mean, that's wonderful. But I feel <laughs> the same. I feel the same way about rivers. But Nick's like, you're an idiot. Dave. No, no, no. That's totally. I understand that. Oh, but but funny. I. When I go home to Narandra, which is not that often, and I stand by the Murrumbidgee... There won't be anything left by the time you get out there next you time. You know, I, I, I feel a huge connection to yeah. these inland rivers like the Murrumbidgee. You know, to, to, if I drive to Melbourne, I'll stop in, in Gundagai and go swimming in the Murrumbidgee. Yeah, you know, wow. It's beautiful to me. It's, like, it's just like your connection to the ocean. Yeah, I actually yeah. don't have any connection apart from it... You feel, feel, you feel, feel it. it feeling. I reckon there's that's some, all you need to know. somewhere in my past. There's my, one of my grandfather's 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 must have been a whaler yeah. or something. I reckon. I, yeah, I, okay. I don't know. Well, fair enough. So uh, ABC Illawarra. What what time do you start? Uh, Eight thirty to eleven. Every on, day. How is that I'm breakfast? Eight thirty. No, no, it's mornings. Mornings. Breakfast is uh, Mel, who's on at uh, five thirty. Excuse my naivete. Yeah, Mel, Mel does five thirty until seven forty-five. L- lucky you. She's got it easy. Fa- Facebook, uh, Instagram. Uh, where do people find you? All of the above. Yes, uh, ABC Illawarra is uh, is all over Facebook. Fantastic. Uh, Nick Reinberg is Acoustic Cabaret is on what? Facebook as well. I invented a genre, Dave. Acoustic Acoustic Cabaret. <laughs> All right, hang on. Let me see if I can turn this off. I've had, tr- had trouble starting it. Let me see if I can turn it off. Thanks very much for coming in today, right. and we will see you next time.